I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. God's grace and God's peace be with you all. Thank you. I don't like being in debt. Being in debt is equivalent to being held hostage. Debt, that force from the outside that causes you to function differently. Indeed, there are many forms of debt. Probably the most common, economic. Like a whole host of other folks, I work tirelessly at minimizing the effect of debt on our monthly economic equation in our house. Chipping away here and there in the hope that once we eliminate this little pesky debt, we can go after larger debts, some of which will never be solved, mortgage. There is also emotional debt. And regardless of the countless helping agencies, people still lead lives of quiet desperation. This is the domain that you cannot be what you want to be, cannot feel what you want to feel, cannot do what you want to do. Emotional debt. The world of AA knows this all too well. Those committed to a 12-step plan freely confess a past in need of forgiveness, reconciliation, and then restoration. Then there is the gift and grace debt made popular by the phrase, oh, you shouldn't have. It is the lovely box of Harry and David fresh fruit sent to your relatives that live in Wisconsin when it's 20 degrees below zero. And then quickly the email arrives on your screen that says, oh, you shouldn't have. I will have to return the favor. In that moment, they have declared that they are in debt to you. Debt. It means that I'm going to have to think about an appropriate repayment plan. Let's shift our thought for just a moment. The life of the faithful, whatever the religious community you would be in, and especially the Christian community, is known for its acts of service and the desire to give. We do so out of the response to the God who has given us so much, so often, so profoundly. As we read scripture, we begin to understand that we are blessed, and out of that sense of abundance, we give of what we have and who we are to others. But in the passage that Bill read from Philippians, Paul reminds us that the Christian life, while centered on giving, is also about receiving. Receiving the support of another, receiving the gifts of those who want help, and ultimately receiving the grace of God. Now, the last one of those, I think, is the easiest. God is good, after all, and so we assume that 
we do receive much from this good and gracious God. And in return, we offer thanks and praise. But receiving from others, often that's not too easy for us. It's downright difficult. Self-made people espouse an independent thread, fiercely so, so much so that they do not need the favor or the care of another to get what they need. As an antidote to that reality of the self turned in on its own, Paul declares, self-made individuals, what foolishness. Paul declares it's not about debt satisfaction or settling a debt. It's all about graciously receiving good and perfect gifts. The context for our passage for today is that Paul is in prison. In Paul's day, if you find yourself in prison, you are utterly dependent on others. There's no taxation system in the community that then goes to the food bank that then brings food to the prisoners. There's not a host of individuals standing outside of the prison that's saying, oh, do you need a new shirt or a new pair of pants? No. In Paul's day, quite the contrary. You get thrown into prison, and you have no friends. You will go naked, and you will starve. Paul understands just a bit of what it is to receive. He understands that he could not get by without the love and support and kindness and indeed charity of those all around him. And so Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, thank you for acknowledging where he is and serving him in a way Paul gives the Philippian community a gift in return. He gives them thanks for their desire, their acknowledgement of purpose and partnership. How often does someone often offer some kindness to you to share their seat in a crowded coffee shop? Or to give up their seat at a football game, or when they might open a portion of a crowded lane on a freeway, or the use of their phone charger that they left at home, or they treat you to lunch. And perhaps a common deflection might sound like this. No, 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 no. You shouldn't. I couldn't. Of course we could. We often refuse kindness out of that misplaced sense of independence that fears always to be in someone else's debt. And thus, by refusing another's kindness, we rob them of a chance to be who they were created and called to be, generous, caring, giving persons. So, while the Christian life is about giving, Paul reminds us, it is also about 
receiving. And when you practice both, you discover they are born of the same material. They are born out of love and fellowship. Given many good gifts, receive them with thanks. Thanks be to God. Amen. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed, or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through God who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, 
not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Gracious God, your generosity leaves us speechless. We are dazzled by the ways that you remain constant among us. We are awed by the way that you join us in sickness and in health. You are there when we rest, and you are there when we wake. You are in the morning sun and seen in the phases of the moon. You dance with every star and are known in the wonder of every cloud. You are abundantly generous. We pray this day for the lives of Jarvis Streeter, Munsuk Clausen, and for Nelson Mandela and his family. As you have watched over every breath of their lives, be their never-failing support. We pray for all our university travelers, we pray for those who study abroad and for those who will travel on the Germany trip. Guard safe these members of our community. Bless their learning and return them safely among us and make their homecoming joyful. In this moment, we ask that your faithfulness move against all that wounds us, that your steadfastness holds us firm, and that your forgiveness and mercy follow us day after day after day. Teach us to say thank you and to live lives of gratitude and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. 
At the call and claim of God, we are invited to go and do God's work with our hands, heavy lifting for the sake of the world, in need of our gifts. Amen.